Do you believe the Vikes will ever win the Super Bowl? I believe the Huskers will be winning a national championship again. Nope, nope, I don't believe that. When I was little, I believed that my stuffed animals came to life after I went to school. The Toy Story actually happened in my bedroom every single day. What do you believe in? We are, in our human nature, conditioned to believe in something to believe that there's more, to proclaim belief and assurance, to say that something is true. Every year around this same time, believing in something swells a little bit more. You can blame it on the twinkle lights or all the Hallmark Christmas movies. You can blame it on the ad campaigns or the decorations. But every year at the start of the holiday season, We tend to look towards our beliefs with a little bit more anticipation. But what do you do when you've had a particularly hard year? When the world is obviously not as it should be? Do you still believe? It isn't often that we all come into the Christmas season with a collective weight on our shoulders. Some years have been bad for me, other years have been bad for you, but this year has been difficult and draining and defeating for all of us. So what do you believe in when that happens? For those of us who follow Jesus, who proclaim to be Christians, Do we still believe that God is going to show up? That's what Christmas is, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. In the midst of all that we're living through, do you still believe he is good? Do you believe that he is good to you personally and to us collectively? In the personal and in the public, God is who he says he is, And we get to choose whether or not we believe him. The story of Christmas is incredibly well known, but it doesn't actually start in the manger. The Christmas narrative in scripture starts in Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, with an old priest and his wife who are in the midst of their own personal difficulty, a very draining and defeating season. And we get to see how their belief and their doubt plays out. So if you have a Bible and want to turn to Luke 5, or Luke 1, excuse me, we'll be starting in verse 5. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from a priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. Luke doesn't start his gospel with Jesus' birth. He backs us up a little bit so that we can see and understand what the people of Israel were going through as they were waiting for a Messiah. 
And then he focuses in on Zechariah and Elizabeth, two people who have been deeply connected to the temple, the scriptures, and the life of the priests. They lived every day as people who believed that God was going to show up. And what made this so significant was that God wasn't showing up. The nation of Israel hinged everything they believed in on the fact that a Messiah would come to rescue them. But the last time that these people heard from God was over 400 years earlier. So it's a pretty big deal that these two still believed that God was who he says he was. That they lived out their belief that a Messiah would still come. I don't know about you, but I question God after a week of silence. A lot of people had walked away from the truth. These people had experienced over 400 years of difficulty, being drained and feeling defeated. God had been silent, seemingly inactive, detached, from the world, meaning that Zechariah and Elizabeth had never experienced any activity, heard from any prophet, or saw God move in any way in their entire lives. And yet, verse 6 says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all that the Lord commanded. They still believed that God would show up for his people. Zechariah got up every day and went to work believing that today could be the day that God broke his silence. Zechariah and Elizabeth experienced silence from God, not just in their public ministry, but in their personal lives as well. Verse 7 tells us that they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. They couldn't have children. Among all the things that having a child brought to a family, none mattered more in the ancient world than the stamp of approval by God that it gave you. When a couple couldn't have a child, it was seen as a condemnation for, from God, a punishment for sin or lack of obedience. But verse 6 tells us that they were righteous, blameless. They lived for God. They were doing it right. They had a really strong faith. They still believed until they didn't. Verse 8 says that one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 400 years of silence 
broken with a very personal message in the most holy city, in the most holy place in the temple, to the most holy person, an angel showed up and answered Zechariah's most intimate longing that would ultimately have a great impact on the rest of the world as well. That would be enough for me, or at least I hope it would be. It for sure should have been enough for Zechariah. He was a priest. His whole life was based on the belief that God was going to break through. God was going to show up. But Zechariah said to the angel, how can this be? How can this happen? I'm an old man, and my wife, well, she's well along in years. <laughs> Zechariah looked at this guy and said, I think you've got the wrong couple. And this is where I wish that the Bible came with video, because I would love to see Gabriel's facial expressions as Zechariah is telling him, no. This isn't us. 400 years, and he shows up to tell a man that what his heart longs for the most is going to happen, and Zechariah goes, I don't think so. So if I were Gabriel, I would be like, um, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. The God that you proclaim will show up for his people every single day. How will you know? You will know because I'm Gabriel. I'm it. For some reason, the most religious of men needed more than an angel to convince him that God was moving. And so the angel said to him, but now... Since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Zechariah had waited his entire life to hear from God. And now he was faced with personal silence. Was the difficulty of not having a child too much to bear for him to believe? Was the drain of being in public ministry for so long without hearing anything from God too much for him to believe? Was it too defeating to believe day after day that God would show up and see nothing? Or did he just not expect God to do anything new? That's where I sit, I feel like, most of the time. Do I expect everything will be the same because everything's always been the same? We've heard this story before. Way back in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, another older couple wanted a child and couldn't have one until God showed up. Abraham and Sarah were too old too, but God gave them Isaac. Isaac was more than just answering the cries and prayers of a single couple. He was proclaiming God, doing something new among and for his people. John the Baptist, the son that Gabriel announces that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have, 
is the same announcement, the same proclamation. God is about to do something significant. God is about to do something new. And this is why I'm so grateful that Advent starts here with this story. I'm so grateful that God took the time to prepare us for Jesus' birth instead of just jumping right into it. The silence of Zechariah, Elizabeth, and the people of Israel, that silence that they faced feels so familiar. Their silence is our silence. Their feelings are our feelings. So many have turned away because it's too hard. So many have turned to the voices of culture because God seems too silent. Too many turn to doubt because they haven't seen anything new. Andy Stanley said this about Zechariah and Elizabeth, their story is our story. Their dilemma is our dilemma. Do we stay or do we go? Do we believe or do we stop believing? At some point in your Christian journey, you will experience what Zechariah and Elizabeth experienced. God will appear so silent, so quiet, so inactive, and there will be times that feel too difficult, are too draining and too defeating that you will ask yourself, do I actually believe this? When Zechariah had an angel standing before him and was faced with that question, he said no. He doubted. He spent his whole life believing in God until God appeared to him. In that moment, he chose not to believe. And I can't help but see the intentionality here that this is how Luke started the Christmas story. With the realness of doubt and the weariness of prayers gone unanswered. Those experiences aren't foreign to us, especially not this year. Loss and pain have touched each of us. The realness of Zechariah's answer to this angel gives us permission to be just as real before God. I think the first verse of O Holy Night paints this beautiful picture of what this looked like. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A weary world rejoices in the midst of darkness and personal heartache in the midst of worldly turmoil god breaks through what do you believe in don't miss what god has for you this season it's really easy to be distracted to numb the pain to ignore or avoid the experiences that we've all had this year. But when you do, you don't leave room for God to show up. Choose to believe that God is who he says he is. 
In the face of difficulty, keep your eyes on Jesus and believe the fundamental truth that he is in control. Maybe that means taking time each day to point out what you see, what you're experiencing, and to remind yourself of what you believe. It could look like saying, God, I see a healthcare crisis that's taking lives. I see racial issues in our world that need healing and wholeness. I see a mental health crisis that's isolating us and making us lonelier. And I believe you will break through. In the weariness of draining circumstances, fill yourself with scripture and the truth of who God is. When your mind is racing, go to the passages that tell you exactly who God is, how big he is, and that he's going to do something new. In defeat, run to the name of the Lord, not the things of this world, and let the Holy Spirit carry you giving you strength in the name of Jesus to take the next step. Sharon Miller for She Reads Truth recently said this about the Luke 1 story. The pattern of God is that he always shows up. He always saves. We see it in Moses, we see it in Jesus, and we even see it in the life of Zechariah. God is an always returning God. He is always coming back. That is always true, no matter how thick the silence. Knowing this pattern, we are left with only one question. What will we do in the silence? Zechariah allowed God to change his heart, transforming him into an entirely different man than he was before. That's the beauty of Zechariah's story. His song is the hope of Jesus' birth, a hope rooted in the promise that the silence will end, the darkness will abate, and Christ is coming back. What do you believe in? In the personal and in the public, God is who he says he is. And we get to choose whether or not we believe him. Let's pray. God, you are a God who always shows up. We may not understand always the timing. We may not understand what you're doing in the silence. But you are a God who shows up. You are a God who is active among his people. You wouldn't have come to us if you weren't. God, I pray that as we walk forward during these next weeks of Advent, that we will have eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and a heart that is open to what you are doing in the world, what you are doing in our own lives. I pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't miss what you have for us moving forward, that we wouldn't just jump to Christmas, but that we would walk these four weeks out and that you, Lord, would show up. 
your name we pray. Amen.